It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi everyone, welcome back to Storytime with Stephanie. Today I read chapters one and two of Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. I hope you can grab some tea, cozy up, and enjoy. Volume one, Fantine. Preface. So long as there shall exist, by virtue of law and custom, decrees of damnation pronounced by society, artificially creating hells amid the civilization of earth, and adding the element of human fate to divine destiny, so long as the three great problems of the century, the degradation of man through pauperism, the corruption of women through hunger, the crippling of children through lack of light, are unsolved, so long as social asphyxia is possible in any part of the world, in other worlds, and with still a wider significance, so long as ignorance and poverty exist on earth, books of the nature of Les Miserables cannot fail to be of use. Hauteville House, 1862. Fantine. Book First, A Just Man. Chapter 1. M. Muriel. In 1815, M. Charles Francois Bienvenu Muriel was Bishop of D. He was an old man of about 75 years of age. He'd occupied the See of D since 1806. Although this detail has no connection whatever with the real substance of what we are about to relate, it will not be superfluous, if merely for the sake of exactness in all points, to mention here the various rumours and remarks which have been in circulation about him from the very moment when he arrived in the diocese. True or false, that which is said of men often occupies, is important to place in their lives, and above all in their destinies, is that which they do. M. Muriel was the son of a councillor of the Parliament of X, hence he belonged to the nobility of the bar. It was said that his father, destining him to be the heir of his own post, had married him at a very early age, 18 or 20, in accordance with a custom which is rather widely prevalent in parliamentary families. In spite of this marriage, however, it was said that Charles Muriel created a great deal of talk. He was well-formed, though rather short in stature, elegant, graceful, intelligent. The whole of the first portion of his life had been devoted to the world and to gallantry. The revolution came, events succeeded each other with precipitation, the parliamentary families decimated, pursued, hunted down, were dispersed. M. Charles Muriel emigrated to Italy at the very beginning of the revolution. There his wife died of a malady of the chest from which she had long suffered. He had no children. What took place next in the fate of M. Muriel? The ruin of the French society of the olden days, the fall of his own family, the tragic spectacles of 93, which were perhaps even more alarming to the emigrants who viewed them from a distance, with the magnifying powers of terror. Did these cause the ideas of renunciation and solitude to germinate in him? Was he, in the midst of these distractions, these affections which absorbed his life, suddenly smitten with one of those mysterious and terrible blows which sometimes overwhelm, by striking to his heart, a man whom public catastrophes would not shake by striking at his existence and his fortune? No one could have told. All that was known was that when he returned from Italy, he was a priest. In 1804, M. Muriel was the curé of Brignol. He was already advanced in years and lived in a very retired manner. About the epoch of the coronation, some petty affair connected with his curacy, just what is not precisely known, took him to Paris. Among other powerful persons to whom he went to solicit aid for his parishioners was M. le Cardinal Fesch. One day, when the emperor had come to visit his uncle, the worthy curé, who was waiting in the anteroom, found himself present when his majesty passed. Napoleon, on finding himself observed with a certain curiosity by this old man, turned round and said abruptly, 
Who is this good man who is staring at me? Sire, said M. Muriel, you are looking at a good man, and I at a great man. Each of us can profit by it. That very evening, the emperor asked the cardinal the name of the curé, and sometime afterwards, M. Muriel was utterly astonished to learn that he had been appointed Bishop of D. What truth was there, after all, in the stories which were invented as to the early portion of M. Muriel's life? No one knew. Very few families had been acquainted with the Muriel family before the Revolution. M. Muriel had to undergo the fate of every newcomer in a little town, where there are many mouths which talk and very few heads which think. He was obliged to undergo it although he was a bishop, and because he was a bishop. But after all, the rumours with which his name was connected were rumours only. Noise, sayings, words. Less than words. Pelebre, as the energetic language of the South expresses it. However that may be, after nine years of episcopal power and of residence in D, all the stories and subjects of conversation which engrossed petty towns and petty people at the outset had fallen into profound oblivion. No one would have dared to mention them, no one would have dared to recall them. M. Muriel had arrived at D, accompanied by an elderly spinster, Mademoiselle Baptistine, who was his sister and ten years his junior. Their only domestic was a female servant of the same age as Mademoiselle Baptistine, and named Madame Migloire, who, after having been the servant of M. le Curé, now assumed the double title of maid to Mademoiselle and housekeeper to Monsieur. Mademoiselle Baptistine was a long, pale, thin, gentle creature. She realized the ideal expressed by the word respectable, for it seems that a woman must needs be a mother in order to be venerable. She had never been pretty, her whole life, which had been nothing but a succession of holy deeds, had finally conferred upon her a sort of pallor and transparency, and as she advanced in years she had acquired what may be called the beauty of goodness. What had been leanness in her youth had become transparency in her maturity, and this diaphaneity allowed the angel to be seen. She was a soul rather than a virgin. Her person seemed made of shadow, there was hardly sufficient body to provide for sex, a little matter enclosing a light, large eyes forever drooping, a mere pretext for a soul's remaining on the earth. Madame Magloire was a little fat, white old woman, corpulent and bustling, always out of breath, in the first place because of her activity, and in the next because of her asthma. On his arrival, M. Muriel was installed in the Episcopal Palace with the honours required by the imperial decrees, which class a bishop immediately after a major general. The mayor and the president paid the first call on him, and he, in turn, paid the first call on the general and the prefect. The installation over, the town waited to see its bishop at work. Chapter 2. M. Muriel Becomes M. Welcome. The Episcopal Palace of D. adjoins the hospital. The Episcopal Palace was a huge and beautiful house built of stone at the beginning of the last century by M. Henry Puget, doctor of theology of the Faculty of Paris, Abbey of Samor, who had been bishop of D. in 1712. This palace was a genuine signorial residence. Everything about it had a grand air. The apartments of the bishop, the drawing rooms, the chambers, the principal courtyard, which was very large, with walks encircling it under arcades in the old Florentine fashion, and gardens planted with magnificent trees. In the dining room, a long and superb gallery which was situated on the ground floor and opened on the gardens, M. Henry Puget had entertained in state on July 29, 1714, my lords Charles Brule de Genlis, Archbishop, Prince d'Embrun, Antoine de Mascunier, the Capuchin, Bishop of Grasse, Philippe de Vendôme, Grand Prior of France, Abbey of Saint-Henri de Lorraine, François de Berton de Crillon, Bishop, Baron de Vence, Césaire de Sabrin de Fauquelquier, Bishop, Seigneur of Glendev, and Jean Soenin, Priest of the Oratory, Preacher in Ordinary to the King, Bishop, Seigneur of Sinay. The portraits of these seven reverend personages decorated this apartment, and this memorable date, the 29th of July, 1714, was there engraved in letters of gold on a table of white marble. The hospital was a low and narrow building of a single story with a small garden. Three days after his arrival, the bishop visited the hospital. The visit ended, he had the director requested to be so good as to come to his house. Monsieur, the director of the hospital, said he to him, how many sick people have you at the present moment? Twenty-six, monsieur. That was the number which accounted to the bishop. The beds, pursued the director, are very much crowded against each other. That is what I observed. The halls are nothing but rooms, and it is with difficulty that the air can be changed in them. 
So it seems to me. And then, when there is a ray of sun, the garden is very small for the convalescents. That is what I said to myself. In case of epidemics, we have had the typhus fever this year. We had the sweating sickness two years ago, and a hundred patients at times. We know not what to do. That is the thought which occurred to me. What would you have, monsieur, said the director? One must resign oneself. This conversation took place in the gallery dining room on the ground floor. The bishop remained silent for a moment, then he turned abruptly to the director of the hospital. Monsieur, he said, how many beds do you think this hall alone would hold? Monsieur's dining room, exclaimed the stupefied director. The bishop cast a glance round the apartment and seemed to be taking measures and calculations with his eyes. It would hold a full twenty beds, said he, as though speaking to himself. Then, raising his voice, Hold, monsieur, the director of the hospital, I will tell you something. There is evidently a mistake here. There are thirty-six of you, in five or six small rooms. There are three of us here, and we have room for sixty. There is some mistake, I tell you. You have my house, and I have yours. Give me back my house. You are at home here. On the following day, the thirty-six patients were installed in the bishop's palace, and the bishop was settled in the hospital. M. Muriel had no property, his family having been ruined by the revolution. His sister was in receipt of a yearly income of five hundred francs, which sufficed for her personal wants at the vicarage. M. Muriel received from the state, in his quality of bishop, a salary of fifteen thousand francs. On the very day when he took up his abode in the hospital, M. Muriel settled on the disposition of this sum once for all, in the following manner. We transcribe here a note made by his own hand. Note on the regulation of my household expenses. For the little seminary, 15 livres. Society of the mission, 100. For the Lazarus, the Mandelier, 100. Seminary for foreign missions in Paris, 200. Congregation of the Holy Spirit, 150. Religious establishments of the Holy Land, 100. Charitable maternity societies, 300. Extra for that of our lay, 50. Work for the amelioration of prisons, 400. Work for the relief and delivery of prisoners, 500. Deliberate fathers of families incarcerated for debt, 1,000. Addition to the salary of the poor teachers of the diocese, 2,000. Public granary of the Haute Alp, 100. Congregation of the ladies of D, of Menosque, and of Cistron for the gratuitous instruction of poor girls, 1,500. For the poor, 6,000. My personal expenses, 1,000. Total, 15,000. M. Muriel made no change in this arrangement during the entire period that he occupied the C of D. As has been seen, he called it regulating his household expenses. This arrangement was accepted with absolute submission by Mademoiselle Baptistine. This holy woman regarded Monsieur of D. as at one and the same time her brother and her bishop, her friend according to the flesh and her superior according to the church. She simply loved and venerated him. When he spoke, she bowed. When he acted, she yielded her adherence. Their only servant, Madame Magloire, grumbled a little. It will be observed that Monsieur the Bishop had reserved for himself only 1,000 livres, which added to the pension of Mademoiselle Baptistine, made 1,500 francs a year. On these 1,500 francs, these two old women and the old man subsisted. And when a village curate came to D, the Bishop still found means to entertain him, thanks to the severe economy of Madame Magloire and to the intelligent administration of Mademoiselle Baptistine. One day, after he had been in D about three months, the Bishop said, And still I am quite cramped with it all. I should think so, exclaimed Madame Magloire. Monsieur has not even claimed the allowance which the department owes him for the expense of his carriage in town and for his journeys about the diocese. It was customary for bishops in former days. Hold, cried the bishop. You were quite right, Madame Magloire. And he made his demand. Some time afterwards, the general council took this demand under consideration and voted him an annual sum of 3,000 francs under this heading. 
allowance to M the bishop for expenses of carriage, expenses of posting, and expenses of pastoral visits. This provoked a great outcry among the local burgesses, and a senator of the empire, a former member of the Council of the 500 which favored the 18 Brumaire, and who was provided with a magnificent senatorial office in the vicinity of the town of D, wrote to M. Bijot de Premigny, the minister of public worship, a very angry and confidential note on the subject, from which we extract these authentic lines. Expenses of carriage. What can be done with it in a town of less than 4,000 inhabitants? Expenses of journeys. What is the use of these trips in the first place? Next, how can the posting be accomplished in these mountainous parts? There are no roads. No one travels otherwise than on horseback. Even the bridge between Durance and Chateau Arnaud can barely support ox teams. These priests are all thus greedy and avaricious. This man played the good priest when he first came. Now he does like the rest. He must have a carriage and a posting chaise. He must have luxuries like the bishops of the olden days. Oh, all this priesthood. Things will not go well, M. Le Comte, until the emperor has freed us from these black-capped rascals. Down with the pope. Matters were getting embroiled with Rome. For my part, I am for Caesar alone. ETC, ETC. On the other hand, this affair afforded great delight to Madame Magloire. Good, said she to Mademoiselle Baptistine. Monsieur began with other people, but he has had to wind up with himself after all. He has regulated all his charities. Now here are three thousand francs for us, at last. That same evening the bishop wrote out and handed to his sister a memorandum conceived on the following terms. Expenses of carriage and circuit. For furnishing meat soup to the patients in the hospital, fifteen livres. For the maternity charitable society of X, two hundred and fifty. For the maternity charitable society of Draguignan, two hundred and fifty. For foundlings, five hundred. For orphans, five hundred. Total, three thousand. Such was M. Muriel's budget. As for the chance episcopal perquisites, the fees for the marriage bans, dispensations, private baptisms, sermons, benedictions of churches or chapels, marriages, etc., the bishop levied them on the wealthy with all the more asperity, since he bestowed them on the needy. After a time, offerings of money flowed in. Those who had and those who lacked knocked at M. Muriel's door, the latter in search of the alms which the former came to deposit. In less than a year, the bishop had become the treasurer of all the benevolence and the cashier of all those in distress. Considerable sums of money passed through his hands, but nothing could induce him to make any change whatever in his mode of life or add anything superfluous to his bare necessities. Far from it. As there is always more wretchedness below than there is brotherhood above, all was given away, so to speak, before it was received. It was like water on dry soil. No matter how much money he received, he never had any. Then he stripped himself. The usage being that bishops shall announce their baptismal names at the head of their charges in their pastoral letters, the poor people of the countryside had selected, with a sort of affectionate instinct among the names and prenomens of their bishop, that which had a meaning for them, and they never called him anything except Monsieur Bienvenu, welcome. We will follow their example, and will also call him thus when we have occasion to name him. Moreover, this appellation pleased him. I like that name, said he. Bienvenu makes up for the Monsieur. We do not claim that the portrait herewith presented is probable. We confine ourselves to stating that it resembles the original. Buckle up, friends. This is a really long book. I'm going to be reading it for a very long time. I think for something like 2,400 pages in the book. I'm reading it via ebook, but um, yeah. Buckle up. Anyways. And that will be all for today. I will be back tomorrow with some more of Les Miserables. In the meantime, I hope you have an excellent day. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.